Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Pankaj Sharma. How are you doing, Pankaj? I'm struggling with the name today. I'm sorry, but it's That's okay. It's okay. I'm good, man. It's good to chat with you. Yeah, you as well. You as well. And just from reading your bio, I'm surprised that we haven't met before. A little about him. He's second generation multifamily owner operator, over 20 years of industry experience. His last acquisition was 828 units in July of 2019 with no investors. And he self-manages his personal portfolio of 2,000 units. Well, thank you again for your time being on the show. I'm really looking forward to getting into this. Not everybody self-manages 2,000 units. So, you know, give us a little more about your background and let's get into how you built up to 2,000 unit portfolio. Yeah, so being that I'm second generation, my father bought his first property, 52 unit property, no money down back 40 years ago. And I was about 10 years old then. And so I kind of grew up in the business, watching him learn the business. He didn't know anything about it. You know, the broker basically took him by the hand and guided him, showed him how to do a no money down deal. It's owner financed, assumable loan. And that one property got him in the door. And he was an engineer, came from India with pretty much nothing you know, always had a strong work ethic, always had a very, you know, just a business mind. So when he got into apartments, like that was it, he just kind of took off. And it was not what I wanted to do. Like me growing up in the business, I was always thinking the grass was greener somewhere else, you know. And so in my mind, I was never really thought I'd get into it, you know, until I got, you know, older and more practical, you know, his portfolio started growing, he needed help. And then, you know, I got into the business. But you know, i was doing things even when I was little, painting apartments, cutting grass, all that kind of stuff. But you didn't want any part of it then though, right? See, because, you know, for me, I just thought, you know, it just didn't look attractive from my side of things the way I was seeing, what I was seeing, you know, doing all the headaches and dealing with people. And, you know, I just thought I could, you know, do better off somewhere else at that time. So little did I know that this was going to be the best investment vehicle and business vehicle for me and for a lot of people, you know, it took me, I'm a slow learner. What really changed that for you? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I've got kids too. I'd love, you know, for them to be in the business someday. But I can imagine that happens often where kids are like, I don't want any part of that. Yeah, that happens a lot. I mean, like we're gearing up our third generation to get into the business. Because that's the thing, you know, it's being that real estate is something that you can pass down from generation to generation. You know, 10 years from now, the cell phone won't be, you know, it'll be something else. You know what I mean? But the apartments will still be here. So it's something that that's solid, that's it's a hard asset, you know, that acquires and accumulates. And so if somebody's done the hard work laying the foundation in the beginning, like yourself or anybody else, like, you know, the second generation can step in and scale it and take it to the next level. So our whole family has a portfolio of 4,500. So my, it's just me and my brother. He's got about 2,500 units that he also self-manages and I got 2,000. I was a little less involved and I didn't, you know, like I said, even when I got older and I got into business, I didn't want to be a part of like the whole acquisition team and always buying and always, you know, buying these value add properties. You know, I just was happy with a little bit. And then little by little, I just started growing back into the business and acquiring more and more up until we did our biggest deal last year. The 800 unit deal was the biggest deal we've done. So I've been over for 20 years. I've been studying the business, but for a big period of my life, I was like semi-retired. 
meaning that I could work 10, 20 hours and still manage the properties I had, you know, not many at that time, you know, one or two. And then gradually just started acquiring more and growing into the portfolio. You know, now I'm pretty busy, pretty active in the field. Okay. So tell me about the 122 unit deal a little bit. So this property was five properties, 800 some units. And, you know, the person, he's also a second generation owner, I believe. Yeah, he was. He's definitely a second generational owner. So he got these properties. He was had them for a while. I think they were on the market for a while, but they weren't like openly in the market. Like he didn't really give the exclusive listing to anybody, but he was actively trying to sell the properties for some time. And the properties were kind of, you know, not very well managed, not very well taken care of, distressed property. And two of the properties are high rise buildings. A lot of people were interested in four of the properties, but nobody wanted the fifth one, which was called Bellevue Towers at the time. Still called Bellevue Towers. I don't know why I changed that. So that, because we were willing to buy all of them and we had a you know, strong enough uh, backing that we were able to buy all of them that we got the deal. But we really, there was no competition at the end, really. There was just one other person and they didn't want to buy the whole thing. So we had gotten the deal actually, and I turned the deal down. We were really close to signing on the deal. And just, I had this really bad feeling in my stomach and it was uh, Thanksgiving of 2018. And I was away with the family in Turks and Caicos. And I was supposed to, they had finalized everything. They had sent me the thing and everything was very rushed and just didn't feel right. I had this bad feeling in my stomach. I had a really weird dream that night. And I said, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm just not doing this deal. And everybody was upset. The broker was upset with me. Obviously, the seller was upset, you know, my partner, who's my father, he was upset, you know, and a couple months later, they came back to us. The deal came back to us, but it came back to us in a whole different way. The seller became much more relaxed and willing to work with us, where before he was just trying to push it and ram it down our throats, you know, the no real due diligence. And I had seen the due diligence, some of it. I had gone through and we'd looked at the leases and things of that nature. And I was just like, wow, this is a real weak tenant base here. And it was a lot of work. So anyway, fast forward a little bit. When we finally did close the deal, months of going back and forth and a lot of emails and all these things, like there were so many vendors, like utility bills, all kinds of vendors were just not paid any money. They were all owed money. Other than the title issues like trash, water, yeah, trash and water. Other than trash and water, like nothing was paid. And so we were getting shut off notices from the gas company and some of the cartons would lose their heat and stuff. And it was crazy, man. It was real crazy. So we've never done a deal like that ever. And uh, after doing like a deal like that, it was a crazy stressful time. But at the same time, it was like, you know, we're never going to go through this again. So we might as well enjoy it. And then after like a month or two, like everything kind of leveled out. I started thinking in my head, like, I got to document this stuff because this stuff is crazy what we're going through. This is a heck of a reality TV show. So I got hired two guys to do video for us. And as soon as I hired these guys, everything just calmed down. There was like the drama ended and there was like nothing to video. So, so why no investors? Or, you know, tell me about how you acquired it with no investors. So a lot of the properties we buy and we've bought properties, never bought you know, more than a six cap or less than a six cap. And we've always bought them, you know, like we bought what nobody wanted basically, or, you know, it's kind of, it was a harder being an immigrant. Sometimes it was harder to get into the fold of buying a property. So luckily over years of building properties and building equity in the properties that we bought, we've done these four 15 year mortgages. So every 15 years, a property would be paid off. And so 
one property that we had bought for less than $5 million is now worth over, you know, evaluated at over $20 million. It was a 294 units. So that property was paid off for a couple of years. And so wow. we were able to refinance that property and take $15 million from that property, add $5 million cash, and then we had a down money of 40%. And we financed the 60% off the property. Um, the property wasn't in it, like, there's no way the bank would only give you 60% on this kind of deal because of the condition of the property. So because of that refinance of being able to pull out the 15 and then add 5 million out of our pockets, we were able to close the deal. Wow. So tell me about the, I guess, the thought process of putting that much capital in one deal of your own capital when, when potentially, you know, maybe you could have bought numerous properties, you know, or had investors and purchased numerous properties as well. Yeah. So, you know, like I just interviewed my father who's 80 years old now. I interviewed him a couple of, just a few months back, I interviewed him. At the end, I asked him, what would you have done different? You know, he, he said he would have gotten investors and he would have syndicated mm. because we started before Morgan Properties and Morgan probably started years later, but they've grown to like 17,000, you know, units or something like that, or 17 states and 75,000 units. I don't, I can't remember the numbers, but they're huge. You know what I mean? But that's what they did. But at the same time, I'm very happy with where I am of not having to have a strong base and to be able to finance properties and use your equity. I have a couple of properties now that I have equity in that I can, you know, if a deal comes when right now I'm not actively looking or anything because we're really kind of just dealing with this whole situation that's happening in front of us and it's really uncertain territory uncharted waters for a lot of people and um, just getting through the next few months is going to be an incredible journey right now you all have done extremely well obviously but i I just wondered the thought process behind one way or the other i always like to figure that out for people or why you choose the syndication versus not syndicating especially a property that size I didn't even know what the word syndication was until a few, a few months ago. Until <laughs> <laughs> we invited you on the show. No, I'm just kidding. So tell me about, you know, self-managing even, you know, that many units and why you choose to self-manage versus not. Again, that's just something that's in our family blood, I guess. You know, we've always done it that way. There was one part of my life when I started reading these Robert Kiyosaki books and I thought that, you know, getting a property manager would be beneficial or a good thing to do. So I did that. I went out and got somebody to manage one of the properties and in six months, we took it back. I thought that, you know, maybe they would be smarter than us or be able to do a better job than us. And I just didn't see that. And today, I'm happy I learned that lesson. And I'm happy to be actively involved, you know, because even on a regular basis, like we deal with a lot of situations on a regular basis, but just going and being a physical face at the properties, talking to people, working with people, and they see you and you see what's going on. You know, and it's like just showing up even for a little bit makes a big difference. So even people that are, they might have a property management team, but they're asset managers, you know, they go and just by showing up, you know, on a regular basis, you got to make physical contact with your property. It's just like when you buy a property, you can't just look at it on the internet or look at it on paper. You got to physically go and feel and touch and feel and experience that property. And so the same way, once you acquire this asset, you spend so much work and time into getting this asset. You got to go there and you got to show up, even if it's just to like show your face every once in a while. It makes a huge difference. Sure. So tell me, you know, a little bit about the just day to day, you know, managing that many units yourself and and what that entails. You know, it's just another side note, too. It's like we get the money both ways, too, because then we get the money as the property manager. And then we also get the money as the investor. Whereas, though, if I have somebody else's property manager, they're getting a huge chunk of the cash. 
you know? So now, you know. Are there some specific ways that you know that you're more efficient than when you hired, you know, third party or if you did hire a third you party? You know, nowadays they got their computers and they got their flow charts and everything and they, you know, they've become very sophisticated. And I'm not saying that they couldn't do a better job than me, but it just makes a whole difference. Like every business, no matter what that business is, I don't care if it's apartments or anything, it's an expression of the owner. Right. You know, and so you know, the owner's expression goes into that business. So whoever you have the property manager, whoever that owner is of that property management company, it's going to be an expression of them. And so to have it your own, you know, and to be, have that hands-on approach, it just makes a huge difference. No doubt about it. And I hear both sides of the coin. A lot of times, you know, guys that want to self-manage or have their own management teams and ones that want, don't want anything to do with it. And, uh, and so it's just, I mean, it's just I've always been that guy though. I've always yeah. been that guy. Like I didn't want anything to do with it. I wanted to run from it. I just wanted to, like, I like the money side of things. I like the investment side of things. I like the deal side of things of making the deal and negotiation, all that stuff. That's great. My father's best superpower, and you call it the superpower, right? His superpower is finding the right deal, knowing exactly what that deal should cost and negotiating the right price for that deal. And if it's too high, walk, being able to walk away. Mm. And that's what he's always been good at. But at the same time, he's never left the hands-on property management approach of going to the office, looking at the vacancies, looking at the thing, dealing with issues, you know, helping the contractors figure out what they need to do. You know, I can go to a property for a few minutes and just look at things and share ideas and stuff. And then to see them, the feedback that that gives, it's just very productive, you know? And, you know, creating the systems and everything is a fun process now for me of just having the systems, working with the people, you know, it's like, and as investors, I often say like, we're not just looking at the ROI. We're not just looking at the numbers of what we're going to get out of the property. We're putting our love into this property. We're putting our love into these people and investing in the community and investing in our own people. And so it's like building an organization and building community. And, you know, it's a whole thing that I never really saw it that way until recently. Hmm. Wow. So tell me a way that something you learned from purchasing that 828 unit property that, you know, that maybe you didn't expect. Well, the shutoffs and things, I mean, we never had to deal with anybody who we bought properties from that the person just owed a lot of people money. And a lot of people were calling us, sending mm. us bills. And we're like talking to all these people. And he's just like, well, just tell them you're not the owner anymore. You don't owe them. You bought the property. You didn't buy the debt. And some places that fly, fly it and some places it didn't. Like, you know, we would have to pay some of the bills sometimes, you know, depending on what the situation was. Like the phones were shut off in the high rise building like the first week. We thought that we could just get another company. We could get Comcast to be the phone company. But we, in order to have those numbers ported out to another company, we had to pay that company off. And so we just ended up keeping that company and having to pay the back bill in order to keep it, you know, so... I learned a lot, you know, and it was very exciting and it was like a real fun time and things came together fast for us. And that high of doing that deal, like I was looking for my next one. And then all of a sudden something told me to just be patient and wait because I knew something was coming down the pike. I didn't know it was going to be this drastic, but I just had this feeling again, my gut feeling of something's happening. You just need to chill right now, build up more equity, build up more reserves and the deals will be coming soon, you know, the right time. Tell me about, you know, managing that property. How's that changed since the coronavirus and, you know, all this has happened now? You know, just the maybe some things you all have had to do or implement because of all this. So we lock our offices. You know, we don't allow tenants to come in and out there. So we try to alleviate as much as possible contact other than, get, you know, handing them a package or taking a rent check. And, 
you know, now everything where we are in Pennsylvania is on emergency mode. Like the only, like everything shut down. People are at home. They're supposed to be stay at home, but our business is life essential. You know, it's essential mm-hmm. to life. And so we're on emergency protocol. So if there's like a leak or something like that, or the electricity is out or, you know, those type of things, we're not, we want to take care of those deficiencies, but we're not like operating right day to day. So most of I got the guys working in empty units, most of all, and just kind of staying in their own space. You know, we're just trying to ride this thing out. And luckily for technology and getting more and more people, because a lot of people are just like so hesitant to the older tenants and things and a lot of the C-class properties too. People are still hesitant to pay online. Like for you and me, we're everything we we just want to do it on our phones or we want to do it online. People still don't see it. A lot of people still don't see that as a convenience to them. They still see that they're like still... I don't know what it is, what resistance they have to it, but they're still like want to pay with a check or pay with a money order or something like that, you know, but more and more now, hopefully this is, is helping in that area too, of getting more people to use technology, you know? Yeah. So how do you forecast say the next you know month or two, you know, through going through, you know, this issue or this virus? We're going to see now. I mean, cause right now, you know, I just heard that there's a 120 day moratorium on evictions. And then after that, there's like a 30 day, you know, then you can give like the 30 day eviction, so to speak. So this is totally like unheard of and unchartered. Like, so we'll find out this month. You know I mean, ask me in 30 days and I can tell you, I can give you a better answer. But right now, this is just the beginning. This is we're two weeks into it. And, you know, with people losing their work and, you know, work's being closed and is everything shut down where you are too? Or is it everything stay at home and like, you know, it is. Everything, everything shut down. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, so it's pretty much the same thing that we're experiencing right yeah, now. Yeah. So this is unprecedented. It's unheard of. And um, we're grateful for some reserves, you know, and, and we're grateful that we have some equity in some properties because we were paying mortgages all the way across. We'd be very concerned and still, it's still concerning too. You know, it's, you know, like, so we're just, we're kind of like we've I've taken a proactive approach in like talking to my managers today and told them like here's my five bullet points of dealing with people who say they're out of work or they've been affected by the virus. One, documentation. Two, unemployment. Have you gotten unemployment? Can we help you? You know, referring them to certain places. Three, how much can you pay the first week of the month? You know, and whatever balance you carried, can we you want to pay that off for a six month? Because we want to get you ready to start paying again in May. That's our goal. You know, but now things are being drawn out even more every night. Just last night, you know, the president announced pushing things back to the 31st. So that moment to moment, this thing is changing. So even if you have all your ducks lined up, even if you got your systems in place, tomorrow could be a whole different show again. You know, so the key in business is adaptability, you know, and innovation. You always got to change. You can't be stuck on the same. Great advice right there. You have to be willing to change and adapt. That's for sure. So what has been the hardest part of this process of, of just buying apartments or owning apartments for you? The hardest part? Mm-hmm. The hardest part is dealing with people, you know, and managing expectations. You know, sometimes I'll go in, my people will blow me away with how awesome the work is, but that's rarely the case. You know what I mean? Like usually it's the opposite side of things. So like, in taking a hands-on approach, I hope none of my employees are watching, but taking the hands-on approach, a lot of times I'm like the Mr. Magoo approach. Like, I don't even want to see what the heck is going on really on that level because if I see, like, I'm just, I'll see too much and I get, like, so crazy in my head about what I think is not perfect or not right the way I want it, you know? So, yeah, it's people. 
how do you account for that or get past that? It's really understanding that, you know, people are, I got to be the motivator. I got to be the communicator. I have to be the one that, you know, I have to be forgiving. I have to be understanding. I have to be all these things. And I got to understand that we live in an imperfect world, that nothing, you know, and I'm less and less of a perfectionist each and every day. And if I was a perfectionist, I'd drive myself crazy, you know? So I've really, really given up being a perfectionist in this, but understanding that it's about progress and not perfection. So as long as we're moving the thing in the right direction, I'm happy now, you know? Yeah. But if I'm willing to get to the place of where everything I want is the way I want it, it's just not going to happen. And I'll kill myself with stress. What's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? That's a good question. What's the recent thing? I mean, you know, for me, business is all about the right people. You know, the people you hire and the people you work with. And I've been very lucky, very blessed lately in the last year or so to bring in new people, new blood, younger people, people that are much more, you know, like technology just comes easy to these guys. Whereas my older kind of employees, they're like kind of still, they got that hesitation. They got that reservation. And, you know, people say millennials are this and that, but like, I found that these guys are great. Like what they're, they're helping me do. And I just feel like I can let them, you know, I'm always constantly, you know, guiding the wheel, so to speak. But at the same time, I can more and more let them drive, you know? What's the one thing that's contributed to your success? Just commitment, you know, longevity, playing the patient approach, you know, not really, you know, moving too fast, too hard, too fast. Because there's a lot of big guys right now, they're going to wish that they had to slow down and not 10x everything, you know? So I think the slow and steady wins the race, you know? I agree. And tell us how you like to give back. By purchasing properties that are distressed, mismanaged, and sometimes usually unsafe at the same time, and making those place decent places to live, like that's giving back. It's giving back to the community. You know, you're helping people that live in a place that's more harmonious, more safety, and more peaceful mind. You know, they're more in a place of peace. So like I said, investors are people who are investing into the community, making the community a better place. And people who are not giving back and not putting the money back and the love back into the properties, it becomes like a black hole. It becomes like a dark hole. And it's not good. It's not good for any of us. Hmm. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about you? Direct message or Instagram, S as in Sam, N as in Nancy, S as in Sam, SNS Properties Investment is the Instagram tag. And then on YouTube, we got a YouTube channel, Sharma's Karma, that we just started a few months back. Sharma's Karma. I like that. And our Karma cast is our podcast under Sharma's Karma. Awesome. That's a wrap. Thank you very much. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital 
Making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.